What's that one piece of advice where you're like, this is a really good story. This is how you do it. Well, it's subjective. Um, so I wouldn't worry about that side of it. Um, I would write it for yourself first um, and then go back and tweak it and make it as good as you as you can. Because if you're worried about your audience, well, who is that, that audience? Um, two people that have the exact same backgrounds, the exact same, let's say, political views, exact same likes and dislikes. Well, guess what? One of them might love your, your whatever you write and the other person might hate it. Um, and so if you spend time worried about that side of it, then you're really not gonna make the best story that you can make as an author because it is so personal. Okay, we're rolling. Thank you so much for being here, Jack. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I'm really excited. This is probably one of the bigger interviews I've ever done. So uh, this is a real honor for me. Oh, um, man. Oh. I want it. <laughs> I want to kick it off with a, with a, with a, a question right out of the gate. Um, you're, you obviously, uh, you know, you have a book coming out, Only the Dead. You, you've been in the military. I think it was 20 years, you know, Navy SEAL, all that good stuff. Um so there were a lot of surprises in the military. My question is, what was the biggest surprise for you starting a business or writing your book? Like what surprised you the most uh, when I you were on that venture? Yeah, the, well, the answer to that one is that it's a lot more than just writing. And I didn't anticipate yeah. that until I think maybe a, maybe a month before the first book came out. So it came out in March of 2018. And well, leading up to that, I knew I'd need a website. I knew I'd need some sort of social media presence. So about a year before I got an Instagram account, just started watching, just looking at how people, because I didn't have any social media presence in the military. No, no MySpace back in the early days, no Facebook, <laughs> no Instagram, none of that. Because back then, nothing good could come from it, really. Now, today right. it's a little different in the military or in intelligence circles, because now if you don't have some sort of a social media background when you're going into a foreign country, that's the red flag. Now, like in 2008, <laughs> 9, 10, um, it, it, it couldn't help you because people still didn't have it until Facebook, Instagram were kind of new. And so it wasn't very, that shocking that someone in their, let's say mid thirties didn't have one. Now, someone that goes into a foreign country with, uh, without a social media presence in their mid thirties or one that just got created, um, that, that, that's the red flag right there. So being, nothing about the social media space. I was not comfortable in that space. Um, what I thought an author did was write a book send it to New York. I could just come up here to the mountains in Park City, it'd be in my cabin, send the book to New York, do some edits back and forth maybe, and then uh, it would come out and then i start on my next one. Uh, that is not the case. Uh, that is not how it is today. Uh, maybe 1975, 85, 95, you could get away with something like that. Uh, and today probably you can if you're an outlier, but if you're building a business, essentially a readership and audience from the ground up, uh, you have to do these things that uh, you maybe didn't have to do in 1975, 85, 95, especially if your last name was King or Patterson or Grisham. <laughs> last names still on that New York Times list today that could build uh, an audience during that time when uh, more when legacy media was uh, was more important. People weren't as concerned with knowing the person behind the product uh, like they are today. So I guess the biggest surprise, what not I guess, the biggest surprise was <laughs> that I had to build a business and write the books. Um, and I would say, <laughs> uh, I look at myself as an entrepreneur for sure and a good one. 
not a good businessman. Like I am just happy to be here type thing. Like that's why you have agent. That's why you have business manager. That's why you have all that sort of thing. Uh, so you can work on that creative being, uh, being the entrepreneur, looking at that no. battle space, looking at gaps in the enemy's defenses. Where can you, where can you capitalize on momentum? How can you adapt to a changing landscape? Which is how I looked at uh, the entire industry as I stepped into it and realized that most authors are still relying on their publisher to do the publicity, to build the readership, just like you would have done in 1985 or 95. But today, that landscape has shifted, that has morphed. And so you need to adapt to that changing landscape, which is what I did. So my what I do is I want to add value to people's lives throughout the year, whether it's through an whether it's an Instagram post, a blog post, every single sentence in any of those get as much attention as any sentence in my novel. Um, because no. I'm, people are trusting me with their time, whether they're reading the book, listening to the book, uh, or following me on social media, reading the blog, listening to the podcast, whatever they're they're doing, they're trusting me with time they're never going to get back. And so that's something I take extremely seriously. And so I want to add value to them throughout the entire year. Um, and then when the book comes out, you know, hopefully uh, a good enough percentage of them will uh, will get it or listen to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a that's a really interesting approach because, like I mentioned, kind of. Brief before we started recording, I've interviewed a lot of authors and that's really a common theme. They're like, man, I just want to write. You know, I didn't know I'd have to go sell it or go on these tours and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, what was the hardest thing about adapting to social media? I mean, going so long without it and, and maybe even like, because there's some parts of the military that have that, you know, maybe that um, adverse look on it, right? Where it's like, this is only bad things come from this. What was it like? for you kind of breaking out of your shell and kind of opening up your life to that, right? Because you've talked a lot about your family in previous interviews. Um, so was that a little uncomfortable at the beginning? Oh, yeah. And it's still still uncomfortable, um, but it's necessary. So if you want to have that <laughs> connection, and I, and I do want to thank people. So I want to thank everyone who took a risk on me as a new author. And social media is a way to do that, is a way to connect and be able to thank people that reach out and say, uh, hey, I got my mom your book. She loved it. And then she told her friend at work and now they're big fans and they listen to the podcast or, or whatever it is. Um, I want to thank them. And back in the day, the only place you could do that is at a book signing uh, or maybe if right. you were on you know, like CBS This Morning or Larry King Live. And once again, those are only for those top tier right. authors or his last names we all know. Um, you could at the end of the interview say, hey, and thank you so much to everybody, to every fan who gets the book and tells a friend like you could do that, but you couldn't interact individually with anyone. Well, no. and can do that i can say i can say thank you on on social media so the the hardest part is definitely um being open and then for me i don't want to you know i share on interviews and stuff i talk about my family but you know you may have noticed i don't put pictures pictures of the kids on okay. social yeah i don't talk about their names on social media my wife on social media like that sort of thing i don't i it would be very unnatural if i didn't talk about it and having a conversation but on social media yeah. uh, you know i don't I just, uh, for security reasons, I don't like to put their, their faces and, and names and stuff out oh, there. Yeah. That's just, yeah. no, well. that makes a lot of sense. And, and, but it's just always fun to like hear about a new author. Now you grew up like, uh, really enjoying reading, um, you know, and I've got your books. I'm, I'm working through the series right now. I'm excited for May 17th. Uh, but you know, it's so crazy for me because, um, I've also done a lot of work in the past, like business owners, um, who've come out of like the military. Um, and so, you know, in the military, it's very like, I, I didn't serve, but I'm grateful to everyone who did. Uh, but I know that it's very like routine and there's like a structure to the daily life in the military, right? When you're an entrepreneur, that there's not that case. So, like, unless you make it, but no one's forcing you to be like, hey, 
Like you have to be here, you have to do this. This is what our goals are. This is what we do. Kind of got to come up with that yourself. What what was that like for you? I mean, I know you, like I said, I, I know that you've always wanted to be an author. I think it was always the plan for you to be an author after the military. But but what was it like coming out of of just like having, knowing what you're supposed to be doing, knowing your missions, knowing your goals, and then coming here and like having to create those for yourself? It was fantastic. Uh, I mean, I had 20 years. <laughs> 20 years in an organization that even though it's special operations, which means you're, uh, you have to be fairly agile, um, uh, cause you're adapting to that enemy, that enemy is adapting to you and whoever does it quicker is usually victorious on the battlefield. So, um, so we're a lot less structured, I would say than the rest of the military seal teams okay. in particular. Um, but there is still structure there. There is still a chain of command there. There are still orders there. Um, there are still grooming standards. There are still like all those <laughs> things, uniforms, that's uh, so, you know, 20 years was good. It was a solid run. Uh, but there was, like you have to essentially in the military, or in special operations anyway, that's my only experience, um, is uh, you have to be an entrepreneur because that's what you're essentially doing on the battlefield. The enemy certainly is. So you kind of have to look at it the same way an entrepreneur looks at the battle space in whatever industry they're stepping into, uh, whatever industry they're, they're in, um, because that allows you to adapt. If you're not thinking like an entrepreneur, um, on the battlefield or in planning stages, if you're not thinking like the enemy, if you're not uh, outthinking the enemy, if you're not studying the enemy, um, and if you're not using the best gear, tactics, equipment that you possibly can for every advantage that you possibly get your guys on the battlefield, um, well, then you're wrong. So, uh, yeah. so there are a lot of similarities for sure, but it is definitely nice to uh, not have the bureaucracy over me, to not feel... Uh, <laughs> responsibility to um to the guys because it's a lot of it's 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 a lot you have to give them your all uh your family comes second um, the mission the guys come first it has to be that way um and then now that i'm out well now i i don't know my, my wife might say differently uh, but uh you know it, it's uh, you have options you can choose yeah. you're not a holden to these guys whose lives are in your hands for the decisions that you make downrange um, if I make a, a bad decision in one of the novels or uh, a marketing push or something, guess what? It's okay. No one's dying. No one's going home in a body bag. That is not the case in going to outrange in Iraq and Afghanistan with your best friends and teammates totally. to your right, your left in combat. So it, uh, after 20 years of that, I'll tell you what, it's nice <laughs> to be on the outside. Uh, nice to be building on that foundation, uh, that foundation of experience downrange, all, all the books I read uh, growing up uh, and continue to read today. Uh, it is nice to be on the outside and not be your own, be your own boss and not have to yeah. be like, oh, idiots above me. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is a leader. I articulate to the guys what we have to do, uh, blah, you know, blah, in any way. Anyway, there, there's none of that, yeah. which is fantastic. Right. Um, I like looking at the the military and uh, everything else from the outside now. So uh, I looked, I looked at them very as two distinctly <laughs> different parts of my life, but now I realize that, uh, that it's all a foundation, no matter what, whether it's, you know, my, my path or anyone else's, whether they're good experiences or bad experiences or whatever, it's still a foundation upon which to build. So all that reading I did growing up, all that time downrange in combat, I can take all of that and apply the feelings and emotions from combat into the novels. I have all the books that I read, uh, which essentially gave me an early education in the art of storytelling from the masters um, through the eyes of a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old, 20-year-old, before I'd built up all these filters and uh, uh, that 
I got to enjoy them for what they were. And there's magic in those pages. So that's what I'm trying to do as, as I write. So, um, yeah, it's all about building off, uh, off that foundation, but it's, it's nice I not to that. have a platoon or a troop <laughs> or a team that's, uh, uh, yeah. ended up, um, for their lives, uh, yeah. on, you're on the outside. So it's fun just to yeah, create. I couldn't, yeah, no, I, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine that, that kind of weight. You mentioned a couple things. One of the things that I kind of wanted to go back on that you, that you mentioned was, um, you know, some of the some of the similarities between being in battle and combat and being an entrepreneur. And, you know, you mentioned like, you know, knowing knowing the battlefield, knowing the lay of the land, knowing your enemy and all those things. Can you expound upon, a little bit more on that about like how, uh, you know, business? Because there's a lot of things that we missed, right? Like I got my MBA. And it's all theory, right? In the in the textbook, but I feel like you have a little more in a real in a really real sense, like um, what that's like to like, and what's important when you're looking. Like, for example, like when you're surveying the battlefield, like that would be like knowing your market, knowing your niche, or whatever, right? But like, it's all fluffy in a in an MBA textbook. But w- what kind of light do you do you have when you when you learned about that? Right, like somebody you were writing your book, somebody asked you, all right, who's the reader, right? Uh, what what kind of um, experience did you bring into that question from your from your past that helped you really articulate that to become like a New York Times bestseller? Yeah, there are a lot of, of similarities right there. But at the base level, like my guys have to be trained up to the best uh, that we can possibly be together as a team before we go downrange. Uh, the best training, the best equipment we can possibly have. Uh, we have to be studying that battlefield, studying the enemy, getting lessons learned from the guys that are downrange ahead of us, incorporating that into our training before we go downrange, turn over with them and bring the fight to the enemy. Um, so, but at the base level, it's about being the best that you can possibly be as an operator and as a leader. Um, and same thing in the entrepreneurial space where you have a product. So uh, that in the military, special operations, that product was violence. Uh, here, it's a widget. So what is that widget? For me, it's books. So the books have to be the best that they can possibly be. That always has to be the case. Um, So if you start worrying about all the other stuff too early, you're taking bandwidth away from making your widget the best that it can possibly be. So I didn't worry about agents. I didn't worry about publishers. I didn't worry about Instagram. I didn't worry about a website. I didn't worry about branding, marketing. None of that was part of my calculus, uh, except knowing that it was something off in the distance at some point as I was typing. And that allowed me to take all my focus and put that into the book. So into the widget, if whatever you're, whatever you have out there. Uh Um, So once that is the best that it can possibly be, well, now people have to know that it exists. Uh, and then how do you, well, today it's a little different than it was 30 years ago. Um, so today it's you, yeah, that creator has a has think, uh, this connection to both the book, the widget, uh, and to that audience, to that consumer. And that's important to people these days. And if you're someone who can add value to people's lives and, uh, along the way by educating them about that widget, well, then there's the world is open to you because you have all these platforms like this podcast, uh, like your own yeah. podcast, like your own social media, whatever it might be, um, that gets people to understand what you have. But then also, more importantly, grassroots tell their friends um, and build it. Like this didn't start from the, the top down. Simon & Schuster wasn't like, we're going to make you the next whatever uh, <laughs> brand name. Uh, no, that's not yeah. how it works at all. Um, it has to start grassroots. It has to start with that person at the, the water cooler. Um, and today that water cooler might just be a post on social media, um, but telling their 10 friends. Uh, and out of those 10 friends, 
one might be like, oh, I'll check that out. I kind of like that sort of thing. Pick up the book. And then that person tells their dad and their dad is like, oh, awesome. I'm going to tell the guys at the fire station. Fire station now, five of the 30 <laughs> guys pick it up. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it just grows grassroots word of mouth. Um, but it doesn't have to be in person these days. Now it can be virtual. So uh, oh, I think there's strength to building something grassroots uh, and, and using the power of social media um, and new media to do that. And that wasn't something you could have done 30 years ago. So uh, right. today you have to, unless you're that outlier. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, you mentioned something that's, that's pretty trippy to me because in the in the business world, right? Like at least the world that I plan, you know, there's buzzwords on LinkedIn, right? Like if you put storytelling, value, and culture in your business, in your LinkedIn post, right? It's going to blow up. You, you have nothing with those. Um, and, and a lot of people will say like, you know, done is better than perfect. Like get it out there. But what's interesting and, and what you said is it's a, it's the opposite, right? You're like, create it, make it the best that it can be, and then go out there. What? And you, it just kind of, it's kind of blowing my mind because um, that's not normally how you think about things. Like normally if you're in business, you get, you know, your MVP, right? Your minimum viable product, you get it out there, see who's liking it, sell whatever you can. And then you kind of build on, on those things. Um, what, what, uh, what kind of advantage do, did you have between making that book the best that it could be versus like maybe putting out like a manuscript or putting out, um, maybe just some tweets or something like that. I guess with a book, you kind of have to make it perfect and then, and then launch it. But you know, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of interesting, like, like what advantage you feel like you had over another author when, when your book was like absolutely perfect. Well, yeah, I, I think my advantage was that I didn't know any of that stuff you just talked about. Uh, really? <laughs> uh, you didn't read any business books. I didn't read how to books because I had educated myself by being a fan my entire life, by reading um, all these books. Uh, by reading the, the masters. So David Morrell, Nelson DeMille, AJ Quinnell, JC Pollock, Mark Holden, uh, Louis L'Amour, Tom Clancy, uh, Stephen Hunter, all these guys who were my my authors that I read during the 80s and then into the 90s, uh, finding Daniel Silva in the late 90s, finding Vince Flynn in the late 90s. Um, but these guys that gave me this education uh, along the way. So I didn't think about any of that other stuff. I didn't do, I read on writing by Stephen King. It's more of an autobiography um, than anything else. And I love reading autobiographies of authors and they tend to write them after they've been doing it for a long time. Like this one right here, Frederick Forsyth. Uh, so I didn't read this okay. while I was, wasn't out by when I started. Um, but, uh, the guys yeah. tend to do it a little bit later, later in life, but, uh, I love reading those, but I didn't read how to books. Um, uh, cause I think today you can read how to books forever and, uh, hope that we lose it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think today you can read how-to books forever uh, and spend 10 years reading about how other people did things uh, when you really need to do it. You need to, whatever it is, get in that gym, build your widget, write your book, write your song, uh, paint your picture, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, um, you need to actually do it. And I think everybody has a different threshold for what they're comfortable with um, as far as kind of the how-to books, how-to videos. But with all the information out there today, you can do that for the rest of your life. Eventually, you have to execute. Um, so get in there and make it the best it can possibly be. And for me, I, having the book be the best that I could possibly make it, um, and for each book, that's remained the case, not just to get something out there, um, because people are trusting me with this time that they're never going to get back. Once it's gone, it's gone. That's what we all have in common. No matter where in the world we live, what we do for a living, who our parents are, that's the one thing that we all have in common. Once that time is gone, 
we are never getting it back. So for me, uh, that's how I build trust with my readers and my audiences by making that book the best that it can possibly be. Not saying it's the best book, but the best that I can possibly make it. Um, and you can say that honestly, um, and people, people recognize that. And it's a subjective thing in this case. It's, uh, you know, it's not uh, Microsoft Word. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not something that you can be like, oh, this feature doesn't work. Um, it's subjective, like any piece of art. Um, and today people get to tell you, people get to comment on it and, uh, tell you on, on, on Instagram or tell you on uh, Amazon reviews, how much they hate you. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, that's, that's okay. That's a, that's a part of it these days. Um, I think the last thing you said was like negative reviews, which I saw you did the, uh, the podcast episode where, where you reviewed some of those. Yeah. Cause today I think a lot of those negative reviews, someone reads it and let's say in my case, uh, it says too violent. Uh, too much gear descriptions, you know, I don't care what kind of a knife it is. Well, guess what? Somebody else does. And uh, that's important to them. And so for that yeah. one star review, there is someone who's like, oh, I'm going to get this book. This sounds like exactly up my alley. So I think even the the negative reviews or the one stars or two stars actually actually help. So uh, that's yeah. how I look at it anyway. I think I think they do help. I, I think, you know, and one of the questions that I love asking authors is the question that you kind of just mentioned. Um, because yeah, I mean, there's always going to be haters. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, whatever you just kind of, you, I think what, what you do in that case is what you do. And like what some other brands do, which is like, just kind of like you read them out loud and you kind of laugh with them and you're going to like, Oh yeah, whatever. Uh, and you kind of, you know, take it in stride. But you know, one of the questions I do love asking is like, how do you balance? Because you have all of that really technical knowledge, right? Um, how do you balance bringing that in to making it like authentic and real, but also like keeping the interest uh, and, and keeping the story flowing. Yeah. I, I juxtapose yeah, I, I it with uh, the feelings and emotions that you can't really get, uh, from anywhere except by actually having lived it and done it. So, yeah. uh, maybe someone who's a, uh, like a, a gun guy or a gear person who has no experience downrange can describe a backpack or a firearm, um, in, in great detail. Um, but what they then need to do if they're writing these kind of thrillers is either imagine what it's like to be behind that sniper rifle at the height of the war pressing the trigger or interview someone who did that. And then if you don't have that experience and you're interviewing someone who does, that answer to your question or questions is going to get filtered through other interviews you've done, other interviews you've watched, uh, movies, books, preconceived notions, biases. And then it's going to get regurgitated and put back on to the page after it goes through all of those filters. Uh, for me, it's coming directly from my heart and soul right onto the page. So I have the technical side that I'm writing about where I'm describing a sniper weapon system or a blade or whatever it might be, uh, but then describing what it feels like to be in an ambush. And I just go back to, let's say, Baghdad 2006 when I was in an ambush, and then I just take those feelings and emotions and I apply them to my protagonist getting ambushed, let's say, in Los Angeles, California, in a completely <laughs> made up story. Um, but those <laughs> yeah. feelings and emotions are real. So I think that uh, I think that made a difference to, to Simon and Schuster uh, when they read it because they have they see thousands of these books every year. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's made a difference with uh, with readers as well. I think that's I think that's an incredible way to put it, like bringing in like your story because when you're talking about storytelling, I think a lot of people get lost in the grandeur of or like the buzzword of like what it means to be a storyteller. And I think that you obviously. I mean, obviously you're a pro at it, right? But I think you pointed out something there that a lot of people skim over. And that's like the authenticity of like, I actually, the story, the story isn't one that I just wrote, right? Like everything might be kind of fictional around it, but like everything that's happening in here 
and and the feelings are like actual feeling like this is something and that's what people can relate to people know i i've always said this but like people know when you're when you're bullshitting them like people know especially when the story's today. not real yeah especially yeah. today like you could you could have hidden back in 1988 because it's just like it yeah where are we gonna push this guy forward uh okay we're gonna put him on uh whatever uh late yeah. night show put him on a morning thing and then pull him back um and <laughs> right. so they could kind of you could kind of get away with that back then a lot harder to do today um but that's beneficial to some, beneficial to some. not so much to others. Uh, you know, if, yeah. if you're putting and you're negative and you give off this negative energy and you're, uh, you know, not, not obviously don't really care about your, whatever it is, whatever it is, people right. can sense it. People can tell, uh, <laughs> so you might be able to sod for a little bit, but people will be able to see through it eventually, especially the more you interact and the more, and that's what people expect these days or that's what they want these days. And it's a great yeah. opportunity for others or for anyone, um, to thank their audience. So whether it's business, you can thank someone for trying out your product or uh, incorporating it into their business and you can, you can thank them and then you can be there to help them as it, uh, as it develops or they need to adapt it or whatever else it might be. As you come out with something new that might help them, um, you can really stay connected these days in a way where you, you couldn't 30 years ago. Um, so it's something yeah. that all businesses, uh, you know, most businesses are, are aware of it and a lot of them do it better, better than others, but you can take your, your readership, your audience, your consumer base, along with you on this journey. So it's not just about this product. It's about inspiring them along the way to do whatever they want to do because they see you doing it in business over here. They have a totally different business or a totally different dream, but maybe seeing where you came from and how you did it and uh, how you're interacting with people that are uh, essentially supporting you by using your product, then, wow, you have that, that connection and you can say, oh my gosh, I can do that. This guy did it. I can do that for sure. Somebody did it. I can do it. Um, and, and, it, and, we only have one ride on this earth, only one. Uh, we <laughs> get to decide right. how we're going to spend it and how we're going to influence those around us. And that's all up to us as, uh, as individuals. So today, you know what? There's a lot more opportunity than there was uh, 30, 40 years ago. That's for sure. Yeah, I love, no, that's an amazing point. Um, what, what made you, I mean, obviously I've talked about this, but was there a, like a, was there like a critical point in your, in your history where you were like, uh, where you went from, I'm, I'd like to write a book. That'd be nice to like, I have to write a book. Like this is going to get done. Um, always, um, by sixth grade, I would say it was, uh, uh, fifth or okay. sixth grade. Um, I wanted to be a SEAL since I was in third grade, found out yeah. that SEALs were very early on, um, and just set my sights on that goal. So no matter what I was doing, whether I was running cross country or playing lacrosse or whatever else, I was always thinking like, how's this going to help me as a, as an operator and a leader, uh, later down the line. Wow. Uh, same thing with I was always thinking, hey, how's this book going to help me as an operator, as a leader, uh, as a strategist, as a tactician later down the line? Uh, some of my earliest memories are of the 1979 Iranian hostage crisis and uh, seeing Americans blindfolded, um, seeing the, the aftermath of Desert One uh, and wondering why we're the United States. I've watched all these movies with my dad where the U.S. comes in and saves the day. And, and now all of a sudden we have these, uh, these, these hostages that we haven't rescued and we have a Walter Cronkite counting the days down. Um, on the evening news every single night. Um, and then I just naturally gravitated towards those headlines, towards the Time Magazine and Newsweek that came across with headlines about that, about the 1983 Beirut barracks bombing, about TWA 847, about Achille Laurel, about Pan Am 103. Um, so all of those things, I just knew that terrorism would be my war of the future. 
And I was going to prepare myself even back then by reading all the nonfiction I could about uh, insurgencies and counterinsurgencies and terrorism and special operations, uh, anything wow. I could possibly do to build that foundation, I thought was my responsibility. Even in those early ages, even at age 10, 11, 12, 13, um, that's what I was doing because my mom was a librarian. So it was very natural for me to read and grow up with this love of books. Um, but then guess what? In the early 80s, 80s? you could almost exhaust almost. everything written about special operations, SEALs in particular. Um, so what I did was then about fifth grade, I started reading the same things that my parents were reading. That's when Hunt for Red October came out. By sixth grade, for sure, I was reading the same kind of thrillers that I, that I write today. Um, and a lot of the protagonists, there are the main characters in those novels had backgrounds that I wanted in real life one day. So they were Navy wow. SEALs in Vietnam. They were Army Special Forces in Vietnam. They were Marine snipers in Vietnam. They were CIA paramilitary guys in Vietnam. So I went into these books thinking, okay, Nelson DeMille, he was a, a, an infantry soldier in Vietnam. He's definitely done his research into the CIA. Uh, David Morrell created the character Rambo back in 1972 with his debut novel, First Blood. Well, he's definitely done some research into Army Special Forces. So I was relying on these authors uh, and their research in the pages of fictional and thrillers. Um, and I was learning at the same time while I was giving myself an education in the artist storytelling, which I didn't really realize at the time. I was just enjoying those books. Um, so yeah, it was all for me. It all started with reading. Heck yeah. I know. And that, and that's so cool because I think that's something that we lost for a little bit was like the love of reading, just anything. Like I grew up in the school system, like thinking that I hated reading because they just made us read the same old books that, that they put you through in English. Right. And then I got a hold, like, I, I got a hold of my first book that made me fall in love with reading, um, which was, uh, <clears throat> as a man thinketh. And I remember reading that and I go like, oh my gosh, dude, there's so many books out there like this. And then that was it. My library filled up and it was amazing. Um, what what book do you recommend most to people who, who want to get into reading or or maybe they, you know, like like what book do you recommend most out of your collection that people should read? Yeah. So my it, they're tough because they're long. All yes. my top five <laughs> recommended books. You can, they also double as weapons. Here's one of them right here. Here's War and Remembrance. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. pretty thick. You read <laughs> Winds of War first, uh, Herman Woke, amazing. Winds of War first, followed by War Remembrance, Cain uh, Mutiny. But uh, my top five books are Once an Eagle by Anton Meyer. It's uh, historical fiction and follows two guys from right before World War I up to Vietnam. And it really juxtaposes wow. uh, these two leaders, one who starts as an officer, one who starts enlisted and gets a battlefield commission in World War I and how they move their way up the ranks and how this political animal right here is just a little bit ahead of that guy that got that battlefield commission. Um, but I gifted it to guys in the SEAL teams as they were starting their, uh, their time in the profession of arms. And I would write a letter and put it in the front of the book and tell them why I was giving them this book. And then I'd give another, have another letter at the end that I'd seal and they had to read the book. Uh, where is it? Do I have one yet? Do I have one? Uh, pretty close at hand, close at hand. Um, but it's thick. Oh, it's thick. So in order to get yeah. to my letter in the back, they had to read this whole this whole book right here. Wow! So it's uh, uh, so anyway that one right there. Highly recommend that to everybody. It's really a study in leadership. Um, so it's not just historical fiction. It's a study in leadership uh, and oh, character. Wow. But uh, that Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead, Winds of War, War and Remembrance. Those are my my top five books, but all of them are a commitment. They're all, uh, yeah. you have to go in, you have to go all in on them. You can't just be like breeze through them. It's not, you know, they're not, none of those are easy reads. Um, you gotta right. commit. Well, that's so interesting that, uh, you said, you mentioned, uh, that you gave them to, uh, seals, um, before they were like, while they were, 
while they were doing that. Um, very interesting to do. You know, I wouldn't have thought that like if I was thinking of like, all right, the top seal guy giving a new seal guy guy a book, like a fiction one wouldn't necessarily be the first kind of genre that I would think of. But I mean, obviously it, it works, right? W- what made you pick that that one? Besides, I mean, you mentioned leadership, but anything else in particular? I was gifted to me by a Vietnam hero sniper, Army Special Forces oh, wow. sniper. Um, so he, he gifted it to me and, uh, I in turn then gifted it to guys who were starting out their, their careers in the military. Um, Very but cool. it's really historical fiction. So yes, it's fiction, but it's, uh, so the characters are, are fictional characters, but the events mm-hmm. are real. So you're, you're learning about oh. world war one, about the lead up to world war two, those interwar years, uh, you're learning about the post world war two years. Um, so you're learning a lot as you go along while at the same time, um, you're taking lessons in leadership, but not just in leadership for a company or for the military, but for life in general. And really yeah. the the uh, the lesson of the book, and I probably shouldn't say this because now people won't read it. They'll be like, oh, I, I got it already. It's uh, is your character and your reputation will take care of itself. And especially wow. in special operations, your uh, your reputation is your currency. But uh, but if you just see your character, that reputation takes care of itself. Wow. I love that. that that's amazing. Was writing the books, uh, you know, all the Jack Reese books, it, books was that um, therapeutic for you? After coming oh, yeah. out of the 20, 20 years? Oh, yeah. Yes. And I didn't realize that at the start. I thought just, hey, I'm going to write a book. It's going to be good because I've been studying my whole life and I've been wanting to do this and I have this experience now. And um, so I never really worried about it not happening. I didn't worry about finding an agent, finding the story being good, getting published. I never uh-huh. worried about any of that stuff. In my mind, it was a foregone conclusion that it would, would happen because I, I think it's because I wanted to do it from such an early age. And I just kept that yeah. uh, kind of naivete with me, which, which, which is great. <laughs> Um, see, yeah. you know, it, it, it's wonderful. But, uh, when I sat down, even, so when I came up with a title, I like to have a title first, cause I'm not wasting bandwidth worry. Even if it's a working title, uh, I'm not worried about, yeah. uh, that as I'm typing away like, oh, geez, I've had good titles so far. Am I going to think of another one? Well, that's bandwidth. It's not going into the story. So, um, I come up with a theme that's going to guide the writing process. I write a one page executive summary and then I read that and I say, Hey, is this worth a net, a year of my life devoted to this topic into this story? Uh, and yeah. then, Hey, if someone else were to read this and it's like a book jacket, like you open it, you know, read the little synopsis. Um, if someone else were to read that, um, would they be willing to invest time? They're never going to get back in this story. And if the answer to both of those is yes, then I take that one page executive summary, turn that into the outline. And then after that outline is let's say 75, 50% done. Uh, then I start turning it into the narrative. And by 50% down, I don't mean like halfway through. I mean, like there's some structure there. I know where I'm going. I know the characters, um, but I don't want to come up against a problem in that outline and then just stop because I'm like, oh, how am I ever going to figure this out? How's my protagonist ever going to get out of that situation? Oh, people aren't going to believe that. Or No, I just go right around it knowing I have a year to figure out these problems. And on the battlefield, I'm aggressively solving problems, uh, creatively solving problems. I'm going to do that same thing yeah. on page but if i mess it up no one's dying um so that's the (laughs) that's the that's how the 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 process as i as i write these things yeah now i've forgotten your original question we're going with that i get so excited (laughs) talking about (laughs) no that's no i think that answers it right the uh just like it being therapeutic for you coming out of like the military so writing my stories now that uh uh outline started turning it into uh, a manuscript that's when I realized how therapeutic it was going to be and how personal of a writing experience it was going to be. Even th- so through that, uh, developing the theme, the title, the one page executive summary, the outline, I was still just uh, thinking, oh, it's going to be a good story. I'm going to take people along for this ride. And then when I started typing it out as a manuscript, 
that's when I was like, oh, this is going to be a very personal writing experience. And each of them has been up to this point anyway. Yeah. And I, you know, I told a few people that we were, we were leading up to this interview uh, that I was going to interview you. And, and one person mentioned that you do a lot of work with, uh, with veterans uh, coming home. Um, do you ever encourage other veterans to write out their story or, or anything like that? Yeah, people uh, do contact yeah, me and ask me about that. And uh, yeah, if I, you know, some people it's the right thing to do. Some people maybe not. Um, but I, I would think in, you know, if I was to generalize that writing things out and being able to think about it would be therapeutic for most people. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know, not everybody maybe, maybe revisiting yeah. some of those old memories isn't good. I don't know. But, um, but if you take an experience, yeah. good or bad, and then turn it into a positive going forward, well, that's a, that's a win. And writing is a, is a very good way to do that. Um, and I think over time, uh, over throughout history, it's been a good way to do that. Once again, not yeah. saying for everybody, I'm, but, uh, but I right. think for most people sitting down and writing it out and getting those feelings out there on the page would be, would be beneficial. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so, definitely helped me before. Yeah. Doctor, I mean, it's like, well, I don't know. Right, right, right. No, no, no. That's okay. But like a lot of this just comes from experience. You know, some people just like that authenticity of like, dude, I, I wrote it down and, and, you know, and, and of course, yeah, we live in a world with 7 billion people. So is, so is it not going to work for a, a few people? Probably. Right. But, but I think like, it's a good place to start. You know, I, I think, it, um, you know, uh, oh, why is this name blinking? But uh, um, Jordan Peterson talks about author, self-authoring you know, and writing it down and working through it in yeah. your head and things like that. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah. and how it works for people. Well, life in general, it doesn't be the military, but any, any, turning any uh, experience that's, uh, it's not great or that is great. Um, but, yeah. but building off it going forward and passing on those lessons to others. So, uh, they don't have to learn those same lessons in, in blood for lack of a better term. Um, and so right. we can all grow by those lessons going forward as wisdom is, uh, and then maybe knowing you had a part in that is, 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 no, I can't. I don't, it's, I don't see that as being a negative. Um, and a lot of people just reach out to me about writing in general, and they're worried that it's not their book's not going to be good or whatever. How do you get an agent or what? Oh, hey, don't worry about any of that. So in fiction, you have to have the manuscript, the whole book done. Nonfiction, oh, you wow. have other options. You can sell like an idea, a story, a chapter, the idea of a story, a chapter, that sort of a thing, an outline. Um, so there are more options on the nonfiction side, but in fiction that book has to be done and it has to be the best that you can possibly make yeah. it uh, before you find an agent. Um, so I tell people just to get it down there and don't worry about it being good. Give yourself permission to write a bad chapter. Give yourself permission to write a bad sentence. Um, give yourself permission to write a bad book. And guess yeah. what? Once it's done, you can go back and make it good. Um, but get it out there first. And so I think that's, that's. Yeah. The tell me about what it, what it uh, means to write like a good story. Like if you were going to give a business person or an author, anybody like somebody comes up to you and they're like, how do I tell a really good story? What's that one piece of advice where you're like, this is a really good story. This is how you do it. Well, it's subjective. Um, so I wouldn't worry okay. about that side of it. Um, I would write it for yourself first um, and then wow. go back and tweak it and make it as good as you, as you can. Cause if you're worried about your audience, well, who is that, that audience? Um, two people that have the exact same backgrounds, the exact same, let's say political views, exact same likes and dislikes. Well, guess what? Well, guess one of them might love your, your, your whatever you write and the other person might hate it. Um, and so if you yes. spend time worried about that That's side right. of it and you're really not going to make the best story that you can make as an author because it is so personal. 
Um, so I wouldn't worry about about that side of it. Um, and there are elements, of course, to uh, to storytelling. Yes. And, uh, but for me, I re- I found out what those were by reading, by being a fan of the genre, by watching adaptations from books to film uh, growing up, um, uh, discovering Joseph Campbell and Hero with a Thousand yeah. Faces, Hero's yes. Journey very early on when he did a series of interviews with Bill Moyers on PBS called The Power of Myth back in 1988. I watched mm-hmm. those with my mom. Yeah. And, uh, I, and he talked about how 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 it, his book influenced George Lucas and uh, for Star Wars, yeah. of course, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, enthralling for me. Um, but but I think that's the that's the the key is to if there is a such thing as a key is just uh, writing something that you would want to read as a storyteller. Um, get that down there, and if you do that, then you know it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks because some people will love it and some people will hate it, and and that's just how it goes. Wow. Yeah. That's, you're giving me, it's such a good thing to think about. And I love these interviews because it makes you just take a step back. Cause like I said, I've, I've gone through MBA, I've gone through a lot of formal schooling or whatever. And it always really frustrated me when like you start an idea with like somebody else. And I'm like, no man, some of the best stories are like, like, uh, well, I was just talking to my wife about this, but the song, I don't know if you, I mean, it's a really famous song, but like fast car by, uh, Tracy Chapman. Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves that. Everybody loves that song because that's her. You know what I mean? Like, and not only is it her, but because it's so her, like we can all relate to that. Like we just brings out the empathy in everybody. And, and I doubt a lot of these song artists or authors like yourself just sit down. What does my audience want to read? Like, no, they want you, right. They want you to be present. They want you to be authentic. And, and I think that that's a really big lesson that in business, we just skim over. We, we want everybody to buy our product. And, and I think that one of the biggest things that, that, people miss is like not everyone's going to want to buy it you know what i mean and that's okay it has to be okay yeah. because because <laughs> it's already it, it's already foretold <laughs> already know that not every, i mean there's the 99 of people like top gun guess what there was that one percent of people that didn't like that movie uh you can't please everybody you know? uh right. so that's just just how that's just how it goes but uh but i think that there probably are a lot of people that uh that write just like there are a lot of people in business that are uh are more worried with uh with 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 an audience reaction or whatever else it might be than with the product itself um and yeah. that's you know that's that's certainly a way to go i'm not not saying my way is the right way it's just uh I'm just sharing my <laughs> it, it's just the the way that i knew it um, but uh but you certainly can be successful doing it the other way too i would guess but i just wouldn't know yeah. how to do it that well, way. Well, I mean, I, I think, yeah, to each his own, but I think there's something special about just putting your whole heart out there and letting people, you know, react to it because most yeah, people- Yeah, and the other side of it, though, the other side of it, that when you do that, those reviews, that, that 1% that hates Top Gun, oh, uh, that hurts more uh, because you put yeah, so but- much self into it that it's not kind of an antiseptic by a formula that uh, you're doing to sell a book or you're doing to sell a movie or you're doing to sell a widget, whatever it might, it might be. Uh, once it becomes so personal, well then those reviews sting a lot more, uh, especially if you're um, an artist, I think. I think maybe, probably, maybe yeah. it might be a little sensitive um, because art in <laughs> yeah. is so personal. Uh, whereas if you have a, have a pen, and people don't like your pen and you're not a pen guy, uh, then it didn't work and that's fine. We're going to go on to the next thing and try it with a pencil next time, whatever it is. I don't know. But uh, you're not so invested in this. This isn't you. Uh, And it could be if you're a pen person, but if you're not a pen person and you just want to sell some pens to the masses and it didn't work, okay, we're going to go on to that next thing. Uh, But if it's so 
art is just a very personal thing. So, uh, so yeah, those spears that get thrown, those arrows that get <laughs> that get launched, uh, tend to hurt a little more. And that's, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. You got to know that. <laughs> that's so true. I, I do. I, I have either. Can't defend. There's yeah, no I shield. Have... All of them. We're <laughs> so just kind of out there, and those arrows are coming, and they're going to hit. Right. No, I, I totally have that same experience with my podcast. Like so there's a couple negative reviews and I'm like, you didn't even listen to it. Screw you, man. <laughs> I'm like, that and, there's sucks, that. Man. and there's that. It's, you know, and they, it's a certain percentage are going to hate you without even looking at your piece of art, reading your book, listening to your book, watching, you know, listening to your podcast. There's just going to be a certain right. percentage and that you kind of just got to <laughs> you know, factor, factor that in and let those ones whiz yeah. by, you know? Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that, well, uh, Jack, this has been like a really awesome pleasure. Um, tell everybody where they can get your book though. Um, it's only, only the dead coming out May 17th, but where can they buy it? What can they look forward to? Yeah. Yeah. So we can go anywhere books are sold, but, uh, officialjackcar.com. That is the website. And then on the social media, uh, Jack Carr USA. And I interact with people on Instagram and, and Twitter. I think some post to Facebook and maybe LinkedIn too, but four is too much yeah. Two. Is almost too much, but uh, those were the Instagram and Twitter are where I personally uh, interact with people. Hang out. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Jack. It was, it was awesome having this interview. No, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was fun.